Hey, what's up, folks? Thanks for watching the 2 by 2 podcast or listening. If you're listening to this, uh, that will be uploaded onto the Aaron J. Dodson podcast on the Podbean channel. That's done after the live stream, of course. Thank you for watching and or listening, whatever the case may be. As uh, you join the show, the live stream, if you would take a second and share this uh, online so that others can see it. We're continuing in our theme of favorite chapters of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just challenging to pick a favorite chapter, but there are chapters that kind of stand out to us that we either like a lot more, it means something to us more personally, or it's one we've been studying recently. And as uh, one of mine and Brock's instructors said, my favorite book of the Bible is whichever one I'm studying at that mm. time. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I get that. It's hard to pick a favorite verse, favorite chapter, or favorite book of the Bible because God's word, once you get in there, you realize how how important it is and uh, how amazing it is. But we're so blessed to have God's word readily available in so many different options and uh, good translations available, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we're discussing our favorite chapters. And I was excited. I didn't find out for those that are watching and listening later. I, I we often don't have everything detailed or laid out before because we want it to be kind of a raw conversation, you know, mm -hmm. don't want it to be prescripted as I mm -hmm. often say, welcome to the wonderful world of vacuum cleaners. Today we will be, <laughs> you know, just like a real dry eyes mm -hmm. works better on clear eyes. We want it to be a conversation that other people get to see. Seth, introduce yourself. Uh, most of you know uh, who you are probably because you've been on the show with us on two by two, but tell us uh, the local church you work with and, some of the things that you've been doing recently or whatever. Yeah, I'm Seth Parnell. I minister at the Porsche Church of Christ. I've been there for about uh, about nine years at this point. And I uh, graduated from Curley's Ridge College and got a Bible degree down there. And uh, been the been working hard ever since. That's great. Doing the work of the Lord, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, we knew that. But I just like saying that. It's wonderful to think about. The opportunity to get to do the work of the Lord, you know, mm -hmm. it's a wonderful thought. That's really good, Seth. Uh, nine years. I know you've been on here several times, and it may have been one, two, three years ago when you first started. I don't know, but uh, mm -hmm. you're up to nine years now. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah, for, for some reason, I keep me around. I yeah, about how yeah. You kind of starting to get to know them now, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. That's yeah. encouraging. That is. A lot of preachers <clears throat> do move around a lot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's necessary. But then sometimes maybe it's not necessary, and it's good for a person to be able to stay somewhere and build mm -hmm. relationships with people in that congregation and in the area yeah. around. I would say yeah. for the most part, it's not necessary. Yeah, that's what it most seems part. to be. Yeah, underline most part. Yeah, I mean there, are, there are unique cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's sometimes, and I don't mean to derail. This John Shannon would call it an excursion. Mm -hmm. This is an excursion. He's fresh in my mind because we had that meeting not long ago mm -hmm. with John Shannon. Yeah. He would sometimes say, this is an excursion. But oftentimes there are unrealistic expectations on the part right. of the congregation. And mm -hmm. I know of, a, of an individual in that situation. I was talking to that individual just this morning. And uh, this individual is in a situation where it just seems like it's, they're, very, they're being very unrealistic with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, like a checkpoint bullet list, do this, do this, do this, do this. And they didn't give that information to that person on the front end mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah it's like what in the world mm -hmm. and some of the things on the list are unrealistic but anyhow sometimes that forces a move and then sometimes every now and probably then, insignificant yeah 
then sometimes a preacher's living in sin and he needs to go or he's teaching error but yeah that can, those that are the happen. unique cases that can happen sometimes but anyhow, necessary case glad you've been able to be there nine yeah. years and, yeah and uh i think um i think that isn't the average like around like three or maybe something years or so yeah and uh, i know it's not not really anything special that, that i've done but there's a lot of patient people at, at yeah mm -hmm. that helps it really does <laughs> i i got there on um the fall after i graduated and so i was pretty you know pretty new pretty yeah. green when mm -hmm. i first got there and yeah. yeah they worked with me and helped me grow and yeah so, yeah still well if three years is the max then harrisburg is on it's about time to ask they're, me to leave. They're on the verge of canning <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. Matter of fact, they might be calling me this week. It's yeah. been over three years. Yeah, well, I've been, here, you know, I've been here over three, but once mine hear this, they'll probably can me too. They get tired of me. You know, Bring it to their mind. Right? Oh, right. I'm glad they I'm glad he brought that up. It's been you know, it's mind. something about hearing uh, the same teacher, same preacher mm -hmm. over and over. So uh, I know, I remember Phil Sanders, he um, encouraged me. You know, he says, I always he was giving me advice on try to how to try to stay fresh and always studying hard and digging deeper. And he, he even suggested like trying to, you know, teachers often say, don't quote me for your, from your notes. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm not miss. Mm -hmm. I didn't misunderstand Phil. I don't think I did, but he said something along the lines of sometimes he's tried to kind of reinvent himself mm -hmm. just a little bit, you know, like he's tried to, uh, even tweak his style a little bit too especially just like in local work yeah if you're going to be at the same place because it could happen that they get tired of hearing the same i, mean, I can understand getting tired of hearing the same exact illustrations mm -hmm. every week for mm -hmm. 10 20 30 40. so anyhow uh it takes a hard work but there's something on your part as well that you've been able to maintain being there they're mm -hmm. patient and you've been working hard and doing your job so they like you being there so that's that speaks to both sides so mm -hmm. Um, speaking of Acts seven, uh, is a re is the record of a sermon by a preacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, don't know if he was ever really located like we think of, but, uh, he preached a sermon and it didn't poor guy, poor brother. He's our brother in Christ. It didn't mm -hmm. go over too good for him here on this earth. Did it? Mm -mm. Have, have you ever had a preached a sermon where a reaction was like Stephen got here <laughs> no no i've never had anybody hurl a stone at me yeah i hadn't ever had anybody throw anything at me yeah not physically something you know uh well acts chapter seven is this is the chapter you selected and you have a at least one thought or more as to why you kind of want to discuss this or why it may be one of your favorite chapters or well like you kind of alluded to the uh i think stephen's you know, sermon or his speech here yes it's kind of titled like some in some of the bibles it's a it's one of the greatest you know speeches that we have you know in the bible as far as in the context of the growing church you know the church was established in acts chapter two it's growing throughout your know, chapters three four and five and then you know when we get to chapter seven it's reached the point to where you know like the everybody can't ignore it you know yeah. the pharisees mm -hmm. and everything they can't you know, denied something, you know, special is going on here. And so mm -hmm. they get involved in, in chapter six, you know, they, uh, they start to, you know, accuse you know, Stephen of different things. They use the exact same tactics as they did with Jesus. Yeah. You know, and they mm -hmm. get false witnesses in order to accuse him of something that he didn't do. Yeah. And then he, uh, and so this is his, his kind of his defense, his response to this, mm -hmm. you know, they, yes. And in, in verse, you know, uh, verse one, you know, says the high priest and asked asked him a simple question he says are these things so yeah and 
the rest of the chapter, Stephen's response to that. Yeah. And so they, uh, this, I'm a big fan of studying, you know, the old Testament, you know, we live under the new covenant, you know, and we yeah. know the, for what Jesus did and for, for the gospel, you know, we can be forever thankful for that. And we, that we live under, under the new covenant, but there's a, there's a lot of wisdom that can be had in the old Testament. Absolutely. And from like verses two down almost to the, um, to the end of his speech, you know, he kind of takes a walk through the history of Israel and he kind of details, you know, the, these different things of how God worked in their, uh, in their life and how he, he worked and did some, some amazing things you know, for them. And yeah. it's just kind of like a, a walkthrough of, of the Old Testament yeah. in a simplified form. And like, you know, when he talks about, you know, um, Abraham, when he talks about, you know, uh, Jacob, and when he talks about, you know, the the uh, burning bush, you know, you can go back to Exodus, you can go back you know, to to Genesis, you can read the full story of that you know, yeah. if you want. If you're just reading through the New Testament, you can go back and read the full stories of right. us. And so I think it's a... The past, especially as a isolating your chapter, it's a it's a fascinating kind of mixture of all those things that we yes, can it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like how he goes over the Old Testament so much, and mm -hmm. I think that probably a lot of Christians today uh, are lacking greatly in a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. We may have uh, a lot of members that have a basic idea may even know all the books of the bible like as far as the song you know and that's mm -hmm. good i mm -hmm. i do that in pew packers here the kids i love the song that's helped me so right. much knowing the you know genesis mm -hmm. Exodus all the way through but we may not know we don't we may not have a thorough knowledge of it mm -hmm. you know of of how they how the different parts of the old testament tie into each other and mm -hmm. the time periods and you know you don't have to know everything and memorize mm -hmm. every detail to even have a thorough knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, you can have a thorough knowledge and you might not be able to quote many verses, mm -hmm. but yet you understand how they work together and knowing the time periods of the old Testament helps so much too. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a timeline guy and I'm very much like that with my own life. And when I meet other people, I find myself asking people questions about like, so what, what year was it when you got married and mm -hmm. what, I just like to know that because, like, for whatever reason, that feels like that helps me to get to know them on a more personal basis, kind of understand a little brief timeline of their life. It's like then, a background. Yeah, then yeah. I know where they've been. I know a general idea of where they've been, why they were where they were, mm -hmm. where they're where they are now, where they want to go, or whatever. You know what you're saying too is is very much connected to Stephen's method. Yeah, here uh, he's you yeah. know recounting their history, which was relevant seemingly for this audience, mm -hmm. you know, a Jewish audience who mm -hmm. obviously could not deny what Stephen right. was saying. I mean, he's appealing to God's writings right. from the Old Testament. I mean, what are you going to say about this, yeah. right? Their law, the, the law to which they they clung, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's a serious matter for them. It's The problem was is, is Stephen is not validating their lives in so doing. You know, yeah, he's yeah. not, he's not, He's not recounting their history to show them that they're entitled to to whatever blessings were yeah. given to Israel. He's recounting their history to show that Jesus and what's occurring right now is a fulfillment of those prophecies yeah. and those writings. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it was very relevant, very needed for mm -hmm. Stephen to recount their history. Um, and, you know, one could not even understand Stephen's sermon here if if they had not studied the old Testament mm -hmm. today, right? If one, if one has never considered the accounts 
to which Stephen refers here, then they would they just be lost. Yeah. I mean, you'd just be confused. I've heard individuals, Christians, unfortunately, say that that uh, you know, since we don't live under the old law, I prefer not to study the old testament. I've I've mm-hmm. I've been in classes where I right just prior to uh, announcing, hey, we're going to study the Old Testament this quarter or, you know, whatever, uh, someone come along and say, well, let's just focus on the New Testament. Why don't we do that? Can we just, can we focus on the New Testament? Yeah. I say, read the book of Hebrews and not think about the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, one to think uh, or Matthew, you know, or any really, some really of, all of there it. were 60 quotations of Matthew, I know, you but, know, oh, yeah. one of the things that concerns like, me about it? the Old Testament and our, our general lack of knowledge about the Old Testament is the, is that, Often the way brethren feel about the Old Testament is their number one thought about the Old Testament is not, wow, God is great and amazing and powerful and he had a, he worked an awesome redemptive plan. I'm not saying there are no brethren that say that or feel that way. I'm mm. sure there are. Yeah. But generally when I hear, and I have felt this way in years past until I feel like maybe I studied more and I realized certain things. The main thing I think a lot of brethren think about the Old Testament is, man, I'm glad we don't have to live by the Old Testament. <laughs> That's like the main thing you hear people say about the Old Testament. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad we don't live by the Old Testament. Well, it was hard and just stuff it's like, like that. It's like a defense mechanism. You I know? don't it's know. Like, yeah. Instead of, in, instead I of, I think it's a lack of appreciating its yeah. intended purpose yeah. is what I think is part of it. And just, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I understand it in some ways because the the Old Testament is typically it's a little bit harder reading than, yeah, than the New is. Testament. Yeah, yeah I was just so, about to say yeah. that. Like when you're going through like you know Leviticus and some of the the prophets, you know, it's not it's not the you can't just you know skim over it and, and get you know the most of it. Sometimes yeah. you have to dig a little deeper. Yeah, and yeah, and there's it, it's longer. You know, it's bigger. But it is. I've always held the opinion there's there's no wasted space in the Bible, and so yeah. there's a reason why this yeah. is all recorded for us. Yeah, as I say, so. From, so from a human perspective, the Old Testament is rather difficult mm-hmm. to to read and sometimes comprehend. Yeah, um, you I know, think a big portions of it are we in our modern minds think real dry. Mm-hmm. But then on the like other hand, like than, you, you used the word appreciation a moments ago. Moments ago, um, when we when we have a bad attitude towards the Old Testament, it does show our lack of gratitude and appreciation for God because he did give us the Old Testament, right? Yeah. And, and there's a great, yeah. there's a distinct purpose for Christians yeah. in God giving us the Old Testament, written for our learning, right? Yeah. Romans 10, 4, mm-hmm. uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and other passages. So, um, you know, what, what, what was the, uh, what's the old adage? Um, the Old Testament is the New Testament Concealed, concealed and yeah. the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So mm-hmm. the Old Testament has a has a purpose behind it. And you don't start yeah. to really understand nor fully appreciate that purpose until you start reading the New Covenant, the New Testament. Yeah. You start seeing, okay, I see now why we have the Old Testament showing us the Messiah and the Christ and preparing the Christ for us. And then the more then the more you read the New Testament, it, make, it makes many, you appreciate the Old Testament. It makes Testament. you want to go back to the old so you can understand yeah. it more. Yeah. Yeah. But most, yeah. you know, we have we live in the we live in the age of commentaries. And most instead of studying the Old Testament, or right, let me say it like this. Mo say in not most, some mm-hmm. when they're reading the New Testament and then in the New Testament, there's an Old Testament reference. Instead of that individual going back themselves and look at that particular Old Testament reference, yeah. there's commentaries out there to kind of break that chapter down for you regarding whatever reference is mentioned, right? So you can just go and, okay, I got it. I got the main thoughts down. Mm-hmm. Instead of going and digging deep for yourself and 
with that particular yeah. event mm -hmm. to appreciate what the New Testament writer is yeah. saying. The case that the New Testament writer is is making. I heard an individual just say, "Is it's a preacher." Um, he said, "I can't preach without commentaries. I don't oh, know how. Wow. I don't know how anyone can." Really? Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, that's a uh, that's that's tough to hear. Yeah, it is. You know, um, but that that's that kind of. It, it, it seems like that's what some do with mm -hmm. the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. You know, they look for a brief explanation from an article regarding the yeah. the, the event. Yeah. The New Testament, though, they want to read and want to break it down. But the Old Testament, I just yeah. want a quick overview of this so I can, you know. I think that's part of you know what society is today, mm -hmm. though. You know, we, yeah, we we uh, want that, that quick, you know, like you said, that summary, that snapshot, and then mm -hmm. we want to. Go on you know, with with our day. And lazy set, lazy mentality yeah, with, with God's word. Laziness. Yeah, heard a quote recently. Just because you're dull of hearing doesn't mean I'm going to be dull of teaching. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we shouldn't be like that. With the good. Old Testament. You know? And one of the things I was just going to add to that, and then we'll continue more with this actual setting of Acts seven. Um, some Bibles are helpful with their like center column references or bottom of the page references, where for example, if you're reading Acts um, 7, I'm just doing this on the cuff, verse uh, 9. <clears throat> and the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. And you read, like, in my Bible, the center column reference on Genesis 30. It says Genesis 37, verses 4, 11, and 28. Now, it would be good to go back and read Genesis 37, verses 4, 11, and 28. Mm -hmm. But... To get more thorough knowledge, go back and read all of Genesis 37. Mm -hmm. You know, read read all of I know sometimes we're limited in time, we just glance at a few things, but when we're actually studying, mm -hmm. go back and, and we do it would be most beneficial to read the whole story, the whole account of Joseph, you know, chapters 37 to yeah. 50. And then what happens when you get to chapter 37 often? I want to find out what happened before. And yeah. Then you go to 36 yeah. before you and know what, it. And the reason that yeah. and, and this is a this is a like a historical account. Yeah. In Luke's book of Acts, about about you know their history, um, yeah. Stephen preaching his sermon. Mm -hmm. But my point is that a lot of times when the New Testament writers use Old Testament writers, they're grabbing the whole idea from that chapter or that theme, like Assyrian captivity, Babylonian captivity, or mm -hmm. you know a lot of passages that are in the New Testament. The same idea is mentioned in the Old, and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. We either take a shallow view and just say, oh, well, that's a prediction. Well, it may be. It may not. It may just be a reoccurring theme mm -hmm. that God is showing. This is a, a, the theme that's resurfacing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the passage in 1 Corinthians 15, oh, death, where, where is your sting? Mm -hmm. That's an Old Testament. Mm -hmm. You know, just like they're, God will wipe away all their tears. The verse that most people think and believe that's talking about heaven. They unequivocally think that's talking about heaven. You know, that verse is in the Old Testament, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's used figuratively in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So maybe, probably, it's used figuratively <laughs> in the mm -hmm. book of Revelation. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying I think we'll be crying in heaven. I'm just saying it, mm -hmm. that may not be the main overall idea that the figures are trying to portray in Might the book of Revelation. Might not be the main, the main it, intention yeah. of the writer. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it may not and be heaven. What, maybe talking about the exalted nature of the church after the Roman persecution. Mm -hmm. But, you know, anyhow, my point well, is... proper exegesis is... You go back, you get that whole little section. Yeah. Because the Old Testament writer, the when, when the New Testament writer mentions something that's from the Old... The original recipients would have had that background knowledge of yeah. Genesis 37 yeah. through 50. Yeah. yeah. So maybe he's grabbing that whole theme. 
that whole idea, you know. Yeah, one of their arguments is that the the Bible is a complete story. And the like I mentioned earlier, the New Testament is a fulfillment of what the Old Testament was leading to. And so that's why, mm-hmm. you know, someone who was here, you know, in this this story in Acts chapter seven, you know, Paul, who would was Saul at this time, you know, he when he started you know, preaching, you know, he would go back you know, to the Old Testament and prove from the Old Testament that Jesus was, you know, the, the yeah. Son of God, that he was mm-hmm. you know, the Messiah. Yeah. And so like I said, it's uh, it has that, you know, that uh you know, symbiotic relationship between the Old Testament and the, mm-hmm. and the Absolutely. New. And uh, especially, you know, with the audience that Stephen is speaking to here, he's not giving them any new information, per se, right. as far as the history of this. They they know these things. They know about, you know, Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. Right. But uh, You know, we do that with the Bible, don't we? When we study passages you know, like Acts 7 and others, we, we read and, and we're thinking, well, what did he mean by this? And what did he mean by that? Or... You know, why don't we have that detail? Why don't we have this detail? And you know, we we have limited information, but you know, this Jewish audience would have understood exactly what Stephen's saying. Mm-hmm. You know, he wouldn't have to elaborate on every single every single point that he makes. They would have yeah. understood. And we want that though, don't we? But we yeah. we, we we look at it. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, I wish I had that, and I wish I had that. We're trying to work with the information that we got and draw reasonable conclusions from mm-hmm. that limited information that mm-hmm. can be very difficult but that's what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. but we forget that Stephen's audience here they they would have understood you know you i can make a yeah. general statement to you about a particular instance that has occurred in our life i wouldn't have to elaborate you oh i understood that and just, yeah. then events start coming to your mind things that you know i don't have to explain it yeah. well for these folks they would have understood this this information would have been sufficient yeah you know yeah. uh and so it's our responsibility to to try to figure out what the the intention of the original writer mm-hmm. was in writing what he wrote, kind of like God shall wipe away all tears, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and then draw our conclusions from that limited information. Yeah. And part of that was that you know, this was not just, you know, their uh like their theology of sorts, but this mm-hmm. was their history as well. And so yeah. that they knew about, mm-hmm. you know, Abraham and, and them and and like uh like you know, Matthew, the gospel of Matthew has a large, large amount of references to mm. the Old Testament because that's what the people would have understand because it was targeted towards a Jewish audience. You would think and that so, these folks would have responded favorably yeah. after hearing about their history. Okay, he's he's recounting our history. That's great. Yeah. But there's a lot in this audience that they didn't like what Stephen said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, I was looking at They resisted here. what he said. I had my iPad out because I was just looking. I'm not going to... I mean, later, after Seth has had his word, really, but I... I I did a lesson recently was probably the first time that I really uh, taught Acts chapter seven and I was limited by time. It's long 60 verses and everything, but it was one of the uh, assignments of BBS here at Washington Avenue back in the summer. And the elders had a list of the things and I selected this one and the title and they got some of the basis for the whole BBS from the, I think it was called fearless theme by apologetics mm-hmm. press mm-hmm. and it was i think the title was fearless Stephen's speech and here's my i hear my notes I'm not gonna go over all of it but i was looking at it just as we were sitting here and in my introduction i emphasized how the jewish nation as a whole they used the temple in the wrong way they often worshiped or loved or clung to the thing instead of the instead of the thing that the thing represented, yeah. which was God. 
they did that with the Ark of the Cut. And I'm wanting to preach that. That's a sermon. Y'all can't do that. If you do, you got to wait about six months. So okay. it'll, it won't affect this area like it does mine. But anyhow, <laughs> ha ha. But the Ark of the Covenant, the temple, and then the scriptures, those mm -hmm. were three things that they misused. They they worshiped the thing instead of the thing that the thing represented. Mm -hmm. Jehovah. You know, they even did that with the bronze serpent as well. Yes. You see that with bronze. And God had used that bronze serpent. That was God's, you know, ordained them to do that, commanded them to do that. But I had my introduction just Stephen provided his defense by doing two things. He reviews the history of the nation and then he uh, proves that those that are hearing him were guilty of the death of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there are other things he does too within that, like them misunderstanding, I think, the nature of God. And that's why he would say things like, he doesn't dwell in temples made by, with hands. Mm -hmm. and But they kept putting God in this little box or something. Mm -hmm. I, what do you think about that as far as, if you just looked at the whole as sermon as a whole, what do you think are some of the main things that Stephen is saying and doing in this sermon? Well, definitely, I think they were guilty of uh, some things that a lot of people today are guilty of. You know, they were forming God, yeah. their image of God based upon their, you know, experience instead of yeah. taking God who he is and forming their viewpoint around that. Yeah. But um, Stephen is, you know, he's, like I said, he, he recounts you know, their history to to let them know this is something that's been the plan you know, all along, that this is, yeah. you know, this is not, you know, the... My words, this, these are the words of God, you right. know, that are, that are being put forth. And just, just to get like a, like a proper image of it, you know, you go back to, you know, chapter six, and you know, they, he was put forth, you know, as one of the seven to deal with the kind of the distribution problem that they had with the uh, Hellenistic you know, widows. And so they, he was doing you know, wonders and miracles and signs. And so they, they tried to dispute with him. They tried to, you know, argue with him. And that didn't work because his wisdom was too great for them. And so they set up these false witnesses. And then at the end of chapter six there, you know, it says that uh, they all looked at him and his face was like that of an angel. And so you can say that he had, you know, their attention, you know, yeah. like this. And then he had, you know, the, uh, you know, their focus. And and so he, he goes back and like he, as far as like the, the main points of this, I mean, one thing I like about this chapter is that you can take this as a whole or you can take this, you know, as like these individual you know, stories. Like you can see yeah. what what God did for Abraham and how it says, you know, I think it's in verse, you know, uh, you know verse five. Like he said, you know, he he gave this promise to Abraham and Abraham didn't see any of it. You know, he this was for his descendants. But yet mm -hmm. God's promise you know, still was true. And if and, you want to, Seth, read that if you want to. I mean, I know I don't know, if you, you know. We'll actually be able to read all of it, but you're welcome to read any of these verses you want to. This is the chapter you selected, and if you want to read the you know, first part or whatever, we can. Uh, just do what you want to do there. I just want to let you know that. That's perfectly fine. All right, yeah, yeah. Oh, like in uh, like for, I said, verse, verse 5, he says, Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect and it continues to, to go along, you know, to, to see that, you know, you know, God, you know, didn't call, you know, Abraham, you know, just for, for no reason. He didn't, you know, call to, to the patriarchs, you know, for, you know, for no reason. But this was, was the purpose of this wasn't just, you know, to, 
elevate Israel, just to give you know, them a uh, to promote them as a nation. But in the end, the the bigger goal you know, was to you know bring forth you know the Messiah, to bring right. forth to salvation you know to the world. Yeah, and they and of course we know the end of this sermon. You know is his kind of summation of this. He was that you know the Messiah came and you know, you killed him and. Stephen's not, he doesn't beat around the bush with that. He's very straightforward. He's very strong, you know, verses there at the end, you know, over in, I think it's verses, you know, 51, you know, to, to 53, you know, where he, he kind of tells them, you know, God's been moving you in your nation for, you know, thousands of years. And yet there's not any prophets that you didn't, didn't persecute. Yeah. And his message is similar to what Peter's been saying all throughout this book. If you look at, you know, uh, of course, in, in Peter's sermon in chapter two, you know, he tells them that, you know, they, they crucified the Christ. You know, they, they, the Messiah came and they crucified him. Peter repeats that in chapter three. He repeats it in chapter four and I think in chapter five as well. And so to the point to where I believe in, um, I think it's in chapter five and down in, um, uh, down the, at the end of, of chapter five, they actually complain saying that, you know, he intends to bring the blood of this man upon us, yeah. you know, the, the blood of Jesus, and mm -hmm. which was you know, true because that's what they what, what they had did. Mm -hmm. yeah. But he he wants to 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 let them know you know, that you know God has has worked you know, throughout this you know you know throughout their history you know to bring forth you know this this Messiah, and that was going to be more than than they could imagine. But as we know, they they didn't react to this you know, and they positive way that it didn't react to it in the it's like they way. didn't want to make application to themselves yeah. it seems that way so That's even what, though there were immediate purposes behind these events mm -hmm. that stephen recounts <clears throat> there was an overriding purpose mm -hmm. a purpose that was in god's eternal mind that he purposed in christ ephesians 3 and it seems like that's the that's the point so it's like the yeah all of the, all these events you guys know they had immediate purposes for for those individuals living at that time for those that it actually happened to, but I'm saying all of this because there's an overriding purpose behind all of this. The Messiah was to come. This was the purpose. How are you going to respond? Right. I mean that's yeah. that's kind of like a that's yeah. what you, a case yeah, you could that's, make. That's right. And that's, I mean you're essentially that's what you're saying. I mean we're saying the same thing, but I just wanted to bring that it's like an overriding purpose and i think that's for any scripture that we read there's there are you know there we can make this case this case this case this case but there's always a an overriding purpose right a main a main reason for this event to be related mm -hmm. to us right a main reason for this doctrine to be expounded and and on and on and on um uh, but yeah you're right man this uh this audience was so um, so antagonistic to what was said here. It's unreal. Yeah, the antagonism. They that, claim they held on received. and loved the fathers and the scriptures and things, but when Jesus and the apostles and other prophets pointed out to them, you know, the the truths that are actually there in the scriptures and in the prophets and their fathers, they didn't like them. No. You know, it's like. We love, we have Abraham as our father. We, you know, all these kinds of things. And Jesus, of course, like Matthew 5 or John 5, you know, you, you don't believe Moses. I'm not going to accuse you. You mm -hmm. got one that accuses you, mm -hmm. the one that you so highly rave about. Mm -hmm. If you just read what Moses wrote, he wrote of me. 
it shows you, I think, that they had dishonest hearts, too. Mm -hmm. They possessed the scriptures. They had the wherewithal. Uh, but Jesus said, like John 540, you were not willing to come to me. That was the key. It wasn't they couldn't understand it. It wasn't think, that they didn't uh, didn't possess the ability to want to be right with God. It was mm -hmm. just a matter of they weren't willing to come to him. It, it meant repentance and change on their part and that they were not willing to embrace. Do you think they just kind of had an overwhelming sense of entitlement? I definitely think you that know was what I mean. They were they yeah. were God's chosen people, mm -hmm. you know, separated, given a law, yep. given a lawgiver. I mean, had all these blessings, the promised yep. land, on and on and on and on. Yep. And so you're looking at thousands of years later, this sermon's being given, and you can imagine the the sense of entitlement that this pervaded the minds of these people. Hey, you know, sorry, I, awesome. Hey, I just noticed we got a lot of comments. I just clicked on the chat. Uh, good. I just want to recognize some of these real quick. Christy House, good morning, Christy House. Christy Lane, watching. Uh, uh, Miss Vicky Kendall, it's kind of like kids in school learning about history. It's important for them to know those things, even if we don't live that way. And I think that was probably during the time we were talking about don't live by the old, but we got to appreciate it. Uh, our brother, Ted Knight, uh, good morning, brothers. Hey, brother Ted. And then Scott Beck, brother Scott. I've heard a lot of denominational folks confused lately on whether Israel is God's chosen people and therefore should be protected. Yeah, that's that's been floating around a long time and still does. Uh, thank you for the comments and continue to comment or ask questions, anything you want to as we go along. Um, I wanted to mention at the outset of this sermon, the very beginning, brethren and fathers, verse two, uh, the listen, he says, the glory of. Uh, excuse me, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I got to thinking on that and I've read a few things on this and I thought I concluded with this, you know, why did he start out like that? Mm -hmm. Why did he start out emphasizing that God had a, our, the God of their fathers. Hey, and then uh, David James Stafford, hey, he says, hello, brethren. Hey, hey, David. <coughs> Thank you. <coughs> excuse me. Thanks for watching, David. Uh, why did he start out with how God appeared to Abraham uh, way yonder over in Mesopotamia? Well, again, just I can't help it because it's kind of recent this summer. Back to my notes. Mm -hmm. God appeared, him appearing in the distant land and apart from the temple. That shows that God's presence is not tied exclusively to the promised land mm -hmm. and to the temple. Good point. But that's what they all, that's that, you know, yeah. temple, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord of these. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as you look through you know, you got you got all these fathers that didn't even live in the promised land that mm -hmm. God blessed. God made promises to them. There are a lot of elements, if not all the elements, elements for the foundation of the nation of Israel that were there during the patriarch time, but they didn't have no physical temple. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's something to because uh, mm -hmm. that's what he really the high point he gets in a. God don't dwell in temples made with hands. That's, that's kind of the concluding the temple. point. Yeah. Temple, temple, temple. And I, that's one of the reasons they killed Jesus. He messed with their little temple. Well, that's, you know, that's the thing. Like I said, it was God's temple. temple. It was his father's temple, but they had so desecrated that it wasn't the father's temple like it needed no. to be. It was supposed yeah. to be. He said, you turned my father's house into a den of thieves. You yeah. turned it into a place to hide wickedness. Yeah. yeah. A den, a place to hide and protect. Of thieves. Aren't you glad no no they Christians hid. do that today? <laughs> right. Aren't you glad nobody hides in church buildings and hides behind being a song leader and a preacher and being an elder and being being about? Sometimes people do. 
Oh, the a damage. Lot of times. Oh, the damage that does. To you know, it could own. be this. The reaction of the of, of the audience here in this sermon is similar to how folks react react today when they hear God's word. You know, we ought to receive it with meekness, right? The yeah. word to say we're to save ourselves. But you know, you when you when you have an individual telling you that yeah. you're not doing correctly and you need to change, and it's and, and he's accusing you, and and he's showing it. It's from God yeah. ultimately doing it. Then it's easier to do what? Attack the yeah. messenger. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're the messenger is scapegoat. We're going to make a change goes. in the pulpit. <laughs> scapegoat. Well, yesterday, yesterday I preached a sermon. Does Jesus match your expectations? And you know, mm. what, you know what chapter I used? Matthew 11 about John the Baptist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned, if y'all don't mind me, kind of take it's kind of related to what we're saying, kind of a detour, I know, yeah. but still related. I, I mentioned, I said, I, said uh, I said, think about this for a minute. I said, okay, so John is in prison. Right, uh-huh. he hears about the worship of Christ, and he sends two of his messengers. Hey, go over there and see what, see if this is the coming one. I need to know. And then Jesus responds to those two messengers. Hey, uh, go tell John that what what you're seeing yeah. is a fulfillment of Isaiah. Yeah. You know, I'm healing the lame, doing all this. And I wonder if John, in his mind, was thinking, I was expecting something different from Jesus at this time. I'm in prison, but I was thinking maybe he should come release me or he should overthrow the Roman Empire yeah. or mm-hmm. or he he should reveal himself to Israel. You know, he should die, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we can conclude this, that that John's expectations of Jesus were not matched at that time, right? Here's the question. What happens? It's not about whether or not Jesus meets our expectations, because oftentimes he won't, we will be challenged, right? He challenges our expectations. Mm-hmm. But my question is, how will we respond when we see that it is not what we thought it was? Yeah. You remember what? Did you go out and see a reed shaken by the wind? What did y'all got to see? Somebody that's going to be swayed right. by opinions and just right. change it? Did y'all what go out there to see for? some guy in soft clothing, yeah. you know? Like, no, y'all can't. He's a prophet. He's more than that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not always what it's seen. So he's telling yeah. these people, what did yeah. y'all expect, right? It's like, it's like Jesus the Christ, the one that you guys murdered, mm-hmm. is the fulfillment of these things. This was this was God's anticipation, expectation yeah. from the beginning. Right. Y'all expected something different. It ain't God's fault. Yeah, right. Y'all should have paid attention, search the scriptures for them. You think you have eternal yeah. life. So you know, it's He's putting it all on them. It's like I preached to you, and now I put the responsibility on you. What are you gonna do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yep. oftentimes we it's like cognitive dissonance. You freeze, you fight, or you you uh what's flee. the other one? Flee. Flee, yeah. I think. Well these <laughs> folks these these folks they uh, they fought. Yeah. You know. They did. Get rid of Stevens easier, right? Yeah. It's easier to get rid of the person doing it. Yeah. We want validation. I think mm-hmm. we go to church because we want validation. I think we hang I think some I think our we surround ourselves with people who validate us and confirm it. We hardly ever surround ourselves with people who mm-hmm. challenge us. I mean, you don't want friends that basically say good old boy all the time, do you? You're doing all right. You know, you never mess up. You're, you're just you're good, just a man. perfect individual. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my rant. So what you got? <laughs> Scott Beck said, Stephen masterfully read the room and connected them to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the patriarchs. Yep. Yeah, and, and early on in the sermon, like with verse 9, and the patriarchs becoming envious, sold Joseph into slavery, but God was with him and delivered him out of all of his troubles and gave him favor and and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that showing you there was opposition to God's plan early on. David Stafford, but he God gave didn't the most, allow it to stop. He yeah. gave the most 
relevant scripture right now as, as far as like a parallel passage, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. Mm-hmm. He was a stumbling block. That's right. You remember Jesus said, are you offended of me? <laughs> right. That's what he asked those two messengers of John. Yeah, that's right. Are you offended at my purpose? It's like, the, are you offended that I'm the way I'm doing my father's business? Does it not, it's not make you happy? Is that not what you want? It's <laughs> not what you want. <laughs> Y'all offended by me? Yeah, if he was a stumbling st- and, block. And you know, I think, all through the scripture, including Stephen's sermon, Acts 7, verses 9 and 10, even, and following when he tells about the different trials that Joseph and Jacob and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, God working through those patriarchs, those that stand against God's will and heaven's plan are not going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And that was the the argument of Gamaliel in uh, chapter 5. Yeah. Like yeah. He said, if, if these men are with you know, we can't do anything about it. They're mankind, and they'll they'll come. They'll go. He was right. It'll be a trend. Right. You know? That yeah. dude, yeah, that but, dude. He 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 realized it's like Balaam. He's yeah. like, I try, I'm trying to curse, trying to curse these folks. I can't do it. You know, every time I try to curse them, I'm getting a blessing for them. You're not going to prevent God's purposes from unfolding. It's yeah. just, yep. God, you, you got to be on the good side of history, right? We say yeah. that. Be the right side of history. God's mm-hmm. going to win. Yeah, His purpose is going to prevail. Jesus yeah. is going to come back. Yeah, and, and he's going to destroy the world. You just need to make sure you're on the right side. In verse 17, when he says, but when the time of the promise drew near, the word but is a contrast to the uh-huh. things that have mentioned, the troubles Where of Joseph. Is? But uh, Acts 17, or excuse me, Acts 7, 17. Okay. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose that didn't know Joseph and that yeah. kind of thing. Again, God's working his plan through time and the the, the, the God's scheme it did not fail, even though it was, you know, even though there were hiccups, even though man was sinning and trying to oppose it. Satan was working through people, no doubt, to try you know, to hinder and stop anything that God was working and promising to Abraham. The questions that often uh, arise in our minds when we're studying the Old Testament is, why did God do it this way? Why did God yeah. do it that way? Why did God allow for them to suffer this? Yeah. Why did God not stop this? On and on and on. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about this, but as you're talking about Joseph and stuff, it's almost like Acts 7 is showing us that we, we're, we're, we're reading Acts 7 and we come to the understanding of knowing exactly why God did those things. He was trying to reach a particular event in history, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus dying on the cross. So when I when I start reading the Old Testament, I'm gonna think about that. When I'm reading the Old Testament, I'm like, why did God allow that to continue? Mm-hmm. Why did God not stop that? Because He had something in the in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? He took care of those people at that time, right? Yeah. But He still had a distinct purpose in the future. That's yeah. And the same concept is true today, though God has already fulfilled his purpose of Christ, like redemption, the first coming. He still has a purpose for what the kingdom is to be doing now. Yep. And then the and then the fulfillment of all things when Christ comes, you know, yep. and receives the faith to him and all that kind of stuff. The second time, Hebrews 9, 28, he'll come a second time apart from sin for salvation. Mm-hmm. So he has all that in mind. He has a purpose for us now. And like no matter what, just like with you've referenced multiple times, and I really like how you've done that, the 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 things just before these events, they were opposing Christ and the early church, is what I was yeah. gonna make of that. And, and 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 I think part of what Stephen's sermon is saying and what we call the first 17 or so verses, and really he mentions this throughout off and on, he's saying that God meticulously worked his plan mm-hmm. and people were trying to oppose it. Yeah. People with their selfish desires and sins, and say, again, Satan, no doubt, working through these different individuals and their bad choices and all that to try to hinder God's plan. And the same was going on right then with Stephen preaching. Mm-hmm. 
I'm thinking Stephen, not only was he directly guided by the Holy Spirit to know what to say in the sermon and all that, mm -hmm. but surely he was a, a somewhat of an intelligent man. I'm not going to disagree. Well, he, knew, he knew this was a hostile crowd. Yeah. I don't think he thought everybody's going to go, Woo, yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord. You haven't done. I think he knew this is this is hot. This, yeah. He knew. Yeah. He knew that this was not a good situation. Do you think he ever said, can I get an amen? Probably <laughs> yeah, he probably didn't say that. Yeah. My point, again, he's referencing these things of when God's people were persecuted, and there he is being persecuted. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he already knew uh, in the verses we read before, there's false accusation. They pay, they've well, they've uh, either paid or contrived these false witnesses against him. He knows he's on a hot seat, a yeah. big-time hot seat. And he's like, God's people has always been rejected. You ever preach? Have we ever? And I, you know, and I, the same is true of Christ, mm. of me, Peter, and the apostles. We're just trying to do what God told us to do, and people are rejecting us. But you're not going to stop God's plan. Mm -hmm. You're not going to stop the growth of the church. So it's like they were against not just Christ, but also the church, and they didn't realize you can't have one without the other. Yeah. But it's so Israel, physical, fleshly Israel's thinking here yeah. that yeah, the Messiah should come. We understand that, Stephen. Yeah. But he's to rescue us. Yeah. Jews, yeah. right? The seed of Abraham. Well, yeah. that's us, and they're real, and they're thinking in their mind. But you're not. But he not he. You're saying that he did not. Rather, yeah. he's rescuing yeah. a, a group of people, not realizing that that group of people is the fulfillment of right. physical Israel, this spiritual is Israel. This, this is, is the it. fulfillment of it. Yeah. Yeah. and you're not going to stop it. Uh, Dustin Durham uh, said, "Good morning, bros. Listening at work. Thanks, Dustin, for listening. Mm, Appreciate yeah. you watching. Church didn't replace fleshly Israel. The church is the fulfillment." fleshly israel yeah. that's right you know? yeah and I, I think you know like you know verses like i don't if, if stephen had stopped at verse you know, 50 you know I, I, he may have not you've been mm -hmm. been killed in the way he was but yeah. the the <laughs> end there i think is really what what gets him but that there's a reason why you know stephen ends with solomon you know, and the temple because the, the main accusation that was given against him in chapter six was that Jesus had come here to destroy the temple and to, you know, destroy what Moses had given. Mm -hmm. So like you said earlier, you know, it was, he's, his said, you know, temples, God doesn't dwell in a temple, but yeah. he's got yeah, similar to what Jesus told the woman at the well, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's coming a time in which, you know, it, all, all men are going to be able to worship him. Yeah. But, I, wonder, I wonder if it's because he called them stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart <laughs> and ears. I'm going to say that next time nobody's listening. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and you know, like, again, like I've already mentioned, Acts 7, the next little, I call it a section that I divided out when I did cover this. Mm -hmm. I covered it real quick. What is it? I want to do it again. Oh, Acts 7, verse. verses 20 through about 43, where he starts highlighting Moses and mm -hmm. making points off of him. And he's like, look, like Moses was rejected by his brother, so Christ. I mean, Christ was greater, and he was rejected by his people, by his brethren. And and you know, he he says he, he mentions about Moses taking off his sandals. Does mm -hmm. he mention that? You stand on holy ground. Yeah, he mentions that in this that he stood before God, and God told him to take his sandals off. That again, there's holy ground, quote unquote, which it was because in God's presence, ain't no quotes needed. It was holy ground. Yeah, apart from the physical temple. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, it's where God like, was. Like the church. Where yeah, God was. And, and the same concept was true of the church then when Stephen was preaching Christ in the church. She the holy church ground is right holy. Now. The church is a temple of God, not the physical temple. Yeah. There's holy ground apart from the physical temple. So I'm in the holy ground. The physical temple has been fulfilled. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm on holy ground. I'm taking a shower because I'm in God's presence. I mean, in <laughs> yeah. a sense, that's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a Christian yeah. at that time. My thoughts yeah. are important, right? Uh -huh. yeah. I'm just, what I'm saying, I'm making a very, I mean, obviously I went to an extreme to make a point. Yeah. The bottom line is God's, 
presence is everywhere with me, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. He's not going to leave me or forsake me. There's no time where I can say I'm in the church building now. Got to be a little bit more, you know, better. <laughs> yeah. More better. Got to be better, yeah, right? Yeah. Be more better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and he's like, he's, he's like with better. Moses, kind of like Jesus did. It's like, look, this Moses. Yeah. Your Moses. Yeah. The Moses that you love. Yeah, like that. Yeah, he says he the, declared that God would raise up a prophet like me. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter preached that in Acts 3. Yeah. Uh, but they're blind. They're shutting that off. Mm. So it, the thing of it is, is, and he's saying this, to reject Messiah is to repudiate everything that the Hebrew history was about. Mm -hmm. That's what it was all building up to. Yeah. And they're like, nope, that ain't it. We don't want that. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's remember, like, you just... What you could have Jesus yourself. done? What what what? It's like I don't remember Jesus it's like going, your throat. It yeah. is. It's back to that, you know, at the end of that conversation with those two disciples and that crowd there in Matthew eleven. Jesus said, "So John came, and he, you know, he was he came neither eating nor drinking. Mm -hmm. Jesus, and y'all called him a demon. Said he had a demon. Yeah. Jesus came, and you know, y'all said he was a wine bibber, right? Y'all and a and a glutton. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what?" So what? It's you almost like be, Jesus saying, "Okay, y'all are just childish. Can't be pleased. Y'all like children in the marketplace. What could we have done to make yeah. you happy? Yeah. And you know what? Basically, nothing. Because yeah. there's no no right. one is ever going to be one. You're not going to have everyone always saying, "Amen." It's always yeah, that's happy. What we want. Yeah. But what Stephen's saying is, this is it. There's only one option. It's Jesus or nothing. You reject you Jesus, then you yeah. you remember what he said over in uh, chapter fourteen. It's Paul, but similar. What is it? What what's the statement that he made in the conclusion of that sermon? I got a new Bible, so I won't be able to locate it as fast. And they're stuck together. The pages. what were you thinking of? Uh, what verse? Or chapter what, fourteen. What, phrase, or what word? Let me get over there. Um, it's the same thing what folks in Stephen's audience is doing. Uh, he where he told him you rejected uh, you um he rejected you yourselves rejected yeah 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 where is that at uh, uh maybe Acts oh here it 13, is okay f uh, verse forty verse forty eight or somewhere verse uh, yeah you thrust it from your forty four Acts thirteen forty four the next Sabbath almost a whole city came together to hear the word of God but when the Jews saw the multitude they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming they opposed the things spoken by Paul then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first that's Jews but since you reject it watch this and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life so basically Stephen it's like making a similar case if you reject God's ultimate purpose. Yeah. You yourselves are deciding to go to hell for eternity. Yeah. I mean, you yourselves are deciding to, yeah. to be separated from God. Yeah. There's only one way to be with God. Yeah. Think about that. So I hear yeah. a sermon. I hear I'm I'm reading the scriptures myself. I start to understand God's purpose. I don't like it, so I reject it. I'm rejecting my only means of salvation. There's no other mm -hmm. means. So you know what you can do? You can go preach another gospel, which is not another, right? Make myself feel yeah. better, which that's what people do. I don't right. like this. I'll close the Bible. I'll implement my own theories, et cetera, et cetera, and say I love God. That's what the Jews did. A lot. Pharisees, right? Yeah. Pharisees, Sadducees, the Essenes, the Zealots, the Herodians. You know, you had these groups who were all Jewish groups. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's right. So why were there so many of them? Because they all wanted their own 
way of access to God. Not, yeah. Right? Yep. But none of yep. them were for God. Yep. From God. Yep. They all were by, they all were man-made religions. Yeah, and when Jesus came, like you said before, uh, rightfully so, he didn't Jesus didn't align himself. He didn't with align himself with all those groups. He could have just came in there and got the favor of all the people, you know. And you know, one, yeah. one of the scary things about this is uh you know, Paul, you would say later on that he did everything you know, in a good conscience. Like he mm. he thought he was doing to this you day. Know, what was good mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And so even though we know there were some some people here who had malevolent, you know, malicious, you know, intentions because they, you know, got false witnesses and everything. But there's a lot of people I don't think didn't. And they, they mm-hmm. were just following the lead of these people who were yep. who were uh, with this. And mm. so you know it's it's all. It's always important for us, you know, not to get caught up, you know, in, you know, the, uh, the the leadership of something to a point to where we neglect, you know, you know the word of God because it's Amen. it's easy to what, to just go along and have have it told to you instead of you yeah. know, looking at it for yourself. What do you think is one of the main reasons a gospel teacher, preacher, um, evangelist quits? Gives up, throws in the towel, doesn't want to preach with the same conviction now as they did in the past. Do you think it? Ha- do you think some, a lot of it has to do with the the unfavorable responses, people not responding well, etc.? So what yeah. Stephen realized, what Paul realized, what Peter realized was it was the powers in the gospel, the powers yeah. in the seed. Their responsibility was to put it in the hearts of men and let God work, do let God handle the increase by. By you know allowing honest hearts yeah. to respond, you know we get frustrated at when there's an unfavorable response, not even close to what Stephen received, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So Stephen, I mean, obviously Stephen died here. <laughs> it's different, but you can't allow yourself to get discouraged when when people are struggling with what they're hearing mm-hmm. and they're not responding right away. Yeah. You know. It's easy I mean, to get discouraged with yeah. that. You want people to come to God. just like You're God. concerned and you love. Yeah. You love them. Yeah. Uh, the main thing is just God help us to keep our focus on Jesus and mm. our commitment to him. Because mm. general, you know, I mean, we don't know the exact number. And I'm not saying this number to play give up football, you know, if you will. Mm. But most people won't receive the gospel. And That's right. But it's not ours to decide and to know who and when and where mm. and all that. It's we ours just, on to teach and preach. That's right. Scatter the seed you remember, to all um, souls. You remember Paul in Second Thessalonians talked about how some didn't obey the truth because they didn't love the truth. You remember that? Because mm-hmm. they, they didn't love the truth. You know, you hear people say, well, Brock, they, they knew the truth. That person knows the truth. They know what they need to do. And my response often is, yeah, but they don't love it enough to obey it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can preach and preach and preach, and these people have all the information they need. The reason why they're not obeying is they don't love it enough to obey it. Because if they loved it, then they would obey it. They would submit to it. But you know what he goes on to say there is, rather they love the the fruits of unrighteousness. Yeah. They want to do what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me think of, like, loving the glory of men. Instead of the glory of God, it's uh, easier not John to obey. Chapter what is that? Twelve. I yeah, think. yeah. Is it not easier to just reject it? I mean, it's easier to just not obey, and that's what they did here. Mm-hmm. Stephen, we're going to put all the responsibility mm-hmm. on you. You're telling us that we actually have to do something. It's easier and more convenient for the person to just to just not do what is being said. And it's, I, it's I and we just got a good question. Uh, was it pri- from Scott Beck? Was it primarily the synagogue of the freedmen? 
that was in attendance when Stephen was preaching. I, I don't know if it was primarily, but I do think they were there. They were the ones yeah, that in chapter six, they were the ones that they the there. ones that instigated all that. And um, there also, I do believe that the, the Sanhedrin council, mm-hmm. they got them involved because uh, when you look at chapter six, verse 15, all yeah. who sat in the council mm-hmm. looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. That makes me think of Moses. When he came down on the mountain and his face was shining. That's well, in, Stephen was like that. In verse one, he's being questioned by the high priest. And so Yes, chapter if, seven, if, verse one. If the high priest is here, then you you can almost yeah. accurately assume that, you know, yeah, there's there's a large member of the council. Yeah, and they, yeah, and that's what it says in verse fifteen. And they the but yeah, I think the the synagogue of the freedmen, they were mm-hmm. they were the ones that was disputing with him, verse mm-hmm. nine. And so as far as the uh, technicals of your question was it primarily them i don't know for sure you know primarily like 51 percent or whatever um but yeah i think a lot of them were yeah they were the ones that instigated it and then they got the council involved in it and mm-hmm. how many of the council was there i don't know if it ever says the whole council or not mm-hmm. i'm yeah, not sure the, this has brought him to the council verse 12 yeah. so it probably was the whole council would be my guess i mean I can't remember how many, how big I the council I think it's was. supposedly 70. Sanhedrin means 70. Yeah. That, that's what so, that, you know. I think it's supposed to be 70, I think. That's what I've always heard and read. So, yeah. But that's yeah, what Sanhedrin yeah, means. Yeah, it was, the, it was them that instigated it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got the they got the governing, their, go, their own governing authorities involved in it mm-hmm. to get something done about it, you mm-hmm. know. <clears throat> oh. oh, yeah. I know we're getting very close to cutting this off we're almost at the top of the hour but um i want to go for just a few more minutes and then we'll start closing this off in the section about verses 44 to 40 uh 53 44 to 53 of Stephen Stephen's sermon they had some major misunderstandings you know the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness verse 44 Mm -hmm. again that shows that god's presence was manifest in different places mm-hmm. besides the temple the temple was not intended to be a permanent dwelling place mm-hmm. verse 58 and i know a minute ago you mentioned it it kind of gets to some i forgot the words you used but you mentioned about solomon and the high point here did you mm-hmm. have some thoughts on that that uh how it starts kind of drawing this thing toward a close as we think I don't even know if he got to close it. He got killed before he finished his sermon and extended the invitation, you know. But well, I've, I've, as we, you I've know, come people, to Jesus, you I've know. I've heard people say that this was a sermon and not really a defense, but the, the fact that he's accused in, in chapter six of, yeah. you know, destroying the temple yeah. and supporting Jesus. And then he ends with Solomon, who built the temple, and he ends with that you know, statement. You're saying the most high does not dwell in houses that are made by hands, you know, as the prophet said. It's a defense. You know, that's, yeah, that's. It's a sermon because he's preaching the word, I guess, but it's not a sermon like we think of a sermon. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't in a church service or uh, preaching know, to people who mostly pe- agree with people yeah. wanting to hear the word kind of. That wasn't a sermon at all. Like no, that. no. It was a defense. And uh, he used a little, a little bit stronger language, but his, his point is similar to what Peter told him in Acts chapter 2. You know, yeah. You know, Jesus, you know, he came and you. What you was the difference him. then? Peter didn't get killed. What was the difference? Well, the. Um, he had about 3,000 souls that were on his side. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, the, the different people that yeah. wanted it, right? Yeah, the, uh, I mean, the reaction of the people is certainly something, you know, that is, because uh, it's hard 
you know, when, when you're listening to something that is, you know, going against like what you already believe, your religion, something you, you, mm-hmm. you hold dear, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's tough you hear because a lot of times we just want to, you know, yep. tune it out. We just want to. Oh, here away. he goes again but, talking about that. That's what we say, right? Yeah. That's what we but do. But about 3,000 on the day of Pentecost were prepped and primed. Yeah. They wanted it. They wanted to be right with God. And it's yeah. about 3,000. It's been 3,001. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think. It's been 2,999. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. About 3,000. But I think one thing this, this does illustrate is that if we are going to be faithful, we got to be able to listen to hard oh, yeah. lessons, you know, yeah. thing, things that challenge us, yeah. things that make us think and make us, you know, change. Because yeah, that's right. If you're someone who thinks that you just, you know, believe in God and that's it, you, you just, you cruise, you never have to change anything, you know, that you believe in. We, we don't, you know, change the word of God in itself, you know, but there's things in our life you know, that we have to change. That's right. And like they, they had here. And, you know, he tells them, you know, you know, uh, it, you know, throughout you know this this story, you know, a lot of times when people think about God, you know, they think about you know, what has God done for me right now? <laughs> what yeah. has God done for me here in the moment? But he he tells them that there's there, there's a bigger picture, you know, here at work. You know, there's something that's kind of like what Jesus so told to Pilate. You know, my my kingdom is not of this world. It's something that's that's you know much bigger. Mm-hmm. And most people sometimes tend to focus in on you know what is in the moment you know what is what's done you know you right now like um i don't know if you've heard the heard the, the soccer player you know talk about you know and uh, i think it was megan rapino talk about her uh when she was in the, the championship you know she uh it was, it was, she got injured she hurt yeah. herself so this is why there's no god yeah this yeah, yeah something and, along or this prayer oh, no i i don't believe she would have given god the credit if she was healthy and, and did win. <laughs> right. So why would she make a The whole world that? revolves around her and but, her but soccer. But it proves even. God doesn't exist that she broke yeah. her foot. Yeah. But, but, but if she won, would it be God's so glory? Foolish. There is a God. So I, foolish. I don't even know where to start yeah, with that. Yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm serious. Go. I, that's, uh, yeah. Don't get me mad. Don't get me mad, Seth. But, you know, so many, you look throughout the sermon that he preaches, and so many bad things happen to people. You Joseph, you know, he talks about how Joseph got sold off you know, in slavery. He talks about you know how you know Moses had to run for his life you know, because he tried to help someone, and then he you know there's so many you know, awful things, but he says this this all leads you know to you know the the gospel yeah. and to and so and like you said, and his influence was you know this is what it is you know it's up to your yeah. your responsibility on what to do about it. Right. And they um. They chose anger, you know, and yeah. they chose violence. You, you made a comment earlier about basically, you know, he'd done pretty good up till verse 51. Yeah. I think they would have agreed yeah. with verses 2 through 50. Yeah. You know, but when they realized how it applied, mm-hmm. when they realized how what he said applied to them, yeah, that helped them to understand, okay, this is how, you know, this is what this means. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear the, amen, one church. Amen, one Lord. Amen, one Baptist. Amen. We must do right or go to hell. Amen. And then you realize, wait a minute. He's talking about me. He's talking about me. I'm doing things that are wrong. I'm going to hell. You know. uh, There you go. Calling me out again. uh, He's called them stiff neck, which describes, uh, from my last study, a stubborn animal that stiffened up, refusing to submit to the yoke of the master. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they were doing with. Hey, God. hang on a second, guys. I gotta make a note this Sunday. If people don't listen to me, I'm going to call them <laughs> stiff neck. All right, I got my note down. Yeah, you're being stiff neck. 
uncircumcised in heart. That yeah. means they're you're, y'all are acting like a bunch of pagans. And he yeah. he, he mentions <laughs> yeah. that here earlier on. You know the how circumcision was kind of the you know the the, the mark of you know how how God you know you know kind of took ownership you know, of His people. And he mm-hmm. says like you're. You're going against God with this, you know, when, yeah. when you disagree with me of heart and ears. And so it's listening and understanding. Yep. Let me make my concluding statement by saying this. What I think is probably the saddest thing about this whole thing is these were his kinsmen in the flesh. Mm-hmm. These were his, what you could say, his, his brethren yeah. at one time at least. And his own kinsmen in the flesh are the very ones who are the most opposed, the most antagonistic. Mm-hmm. You know, the gospel came to the Jews first, you know, preach the gospel, Jews first into the Greeks, right? And they're the ones who resisted it. Those are the ones who fought the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a similar, I think there's a case to be made today. Yeah. I'll just be straight, straight, I'll just be honest with you. Yeah. The ones who resist the word the most and the ones that I have the most trouble with and fight with the most are my own, are my own brethren, right? Yeah. When yeah. I teach somebody, you know, you teach somebody who has no affiliation with the Lord's church whatsoever, they're just, ha- we just baptized an individual recently who has no background <laughs> in the Lord's church. He was happy yeah. to receive it when he heard it. Like, I got to do that. Yeah. There was no, nothing holding. But now it's just, you know, you talk to it's a sense of entitlement and they're, yep. you know, don't you know, I've, I've been rearing the church, church ground my whole life. I'm I know a great person. Yeah, I know a gospel preacher that he and he's very old now, from my understanding, his mind is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he preached when I was a kid. I didn't really mm-hmm. remember him. I was so young when he preached with my grandparents. I was talking to my granddaddy recently about this particular man that preached for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that, that that particular preacher told my granddaddy one time years ago, some of the meanest, most hateful people he had ever known were people that were members of the church. Yeah. yeah. And that, and you know, well, that's, that, that is a pathetic crying shame. That's so wrong. here are people that were God's covenant people. They had mm-hmm. all the opportunities at their disposal, all the blessings that God just kept lavishing upon them. And their hearts were, they were stiff necked. They were uncircumcised of heart. They acted like pagans. They always resisted the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is divine, but he can be resisted. Mm-hmm. So that means when you reject the teaching of a man that's teaching mm-hmm. by the yeah. Holy Spirit, you're teaching the things of the Spirit. They were blaspheming they, and contradicting Paul, but yeah. he was speaking to the They were blaspheming that's, the Holy that's right. Spirit. That's right. And though we're not directly guided by the Spirit today, we're indirectly guided by the Spirit's written Word. Mm-hmm. If we're teaching what the Scriptures teach, what the Holy, people are rejecting the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they're rejecting uh, the divine person. If That's you right. Will. That's uh, right. The the divine. Yeah. Uh, they were like their fathers of old. He said mm-hmm. they were reject. They were resisting God's will. Uh, he said that in verse uh, verse fifty two and fifty three. They they rejected the law. They got it by angels. They all that amazed. They didn't keep it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? You know, if, if there was one prophet that they didn't persecute, surely they could have come up with one name. Mm-hmm. Obadiah. You know, <laughs> somebody in the back, somebody in the back would have said, you know, yeah, yeah. they they wasn't nobody in the back that could say a name. Yeah. Which one of them did you not persecute? Cricket, cricket. There was nothing that they, yeah. they, they messed with all of them. They hated all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you betrayed and murdered the Messiah. Preaching has become so has become so indirect and generalized. I mean, these yeah. these Stephen and these guys, you you right there. Hey Bob, <laughs> move guys. You Bob, it's like right there. 
Yeah. But we're so indirect now. There are some here this morning that need to be be better. And and I tell you, <laughs> if you're here, if you're here, here no way. number one, you are here. I wouldn't say if you're here because <laughs> you're always here. That's number and you're one. You're out of Christ, so you do need to obey. Not <laughs> and and I'm talking home. clearly to you in the front row who's never been baptized. If you're here, you've never been baptized. Well, George is sitting in the front row and he's never been baptized. George, yep. I. You know, I wish we would do that, and maybe but I need a, to get if better. If a preacher at that. preaches like that nine times out of ten, you get, get fired. fired. Yeah, he'll have to move. We got to stop worrying about that. That's I mean, right. we all got to be better at that. It's just like you know, John Shannon when he was here, he said, "He said I'm gonna preach the truth no matter what. If you don't invite me back, he said I don't care. <laughs> I don't care." <laughs> and I want to stand up and clap and shout. You know, yeah. Amen. Yeah, you know, the truth is, we do care. We want our brethren to accept it. Yeah. But if they don't, we're not going. Well, I guess I'll. Change the message a little yep. bit. I think I'll water it down. No, you don't care about. Souls I don't care enough. if you obey or not. As far as me preaching the truth, yeah. I care as far as your soul goes. Yeah, but I don't care as far as me sticking to what God said. Mm-hmm. You know, do it, what He said. You never want to be like you know, uh, antagonistic or you know, yeah. it, kind of you know, uh, kind of aggressive or oh, just being. Purposely. You want to be for, urgent for no reason, at least. Yeah, yeah. there's sometimes like the direct action you is needed. Yeah, yeah. but popularity is. Not always the best metric for no, you know preaching not. and for for a sermon. Well, uh, no way being purposely it. offensive is just wrong. Yeah, but purposely or purposefully preaching, yeah, that's not wrong. That's only right. Uh, but, I think anyone can get up there and you know say a few words, you mm-hmm. know, like in a, in a general statement. But sermons should have purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, they should have absolutely you know, intent. You know, for it and, absolutely. And uh, absolutely, it should help you know, people who hear it. Amen. I notice, uh, and I just want to say this, and then we'll draw this to a close. The mild mannered martyr, the mild response, mm-hmm. if you will, and I'm using that word just because it goes with the M's on the uh, uh, stream chat there. I commented the uh, a little outline that uh, I, I think I got this from Apologetics Press moving from Mesopotamia, verses 1 through 19. Memories of Moses is alliterated. Mm-hmm. Memories of Moses verses twenty to forty-three, major misunderstandings verses forty-four to fifty-three, and then at the very end verses fifty-four to sixty are what happens to Stephen. How yeah. Stephen responded, how heaven responded. You know, mm-hmm. seeing Jesus at the right hand of God. And I think you know earlier I said you know uh, verses fifty-one to fifty-three is you know primarily why he got stoned, but actually you know verse fifty-six is also you know. You know, what, what factored into that you know, yeah when he talks about you know singing heaven and- yeah i think that was part of their just that probably just enraged them further yeah i see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of god that didn't that didn't help him as far as uh the way they saw him yeah and of course it says it makes note that saul was there mm-hmm. at the stoning in full approval and I've, I have wondered, now this is my kind of final thought, and if you have another, and then no, we'll I, let you have the last word since it was your chapter you picked. But then I had this in my notes that from my last time I studied it. Saul of Tarsus was there, and I wondered if uh, Stephen's sermon here, this last sermon, over time, did it not affect Saul of Tarsus? Mm. Did it not help to work in Saul's conversion? Mm. Obviously, the main thing that really got his attention and convinced his heart was Jesus appearing to him. Mm-hmm. And then he and he did what Jesus told him to do, and then he went and washed his sins away, you mm-hmm. know, uh, in baptism. But it, I certainly, because he recall he recounts Paul does later, you know, I cast my vote against Stephen. I thought to do many things oh, yeah. contrary to the name of Jesus. Surely Stephen, because it wasn't uh, so, 
surely Paul, because this wasn't many years before those events when he would say that, that he could, he could probably still hear Stephen's voice in his head. You know that old oh, yeah. saying, in the mind in the mind's eye. I bet in his mind's eye, he could still he could still see Stephen, mm-hmm. and he's over oh, there yeah. holding the cloaks, going, "Get him, boys, get him." I mean, then that's the way we talk here. But you know, he was so he was giving the charge to. He could still see that in his mind's eye. He would, and I wonder he could still hear some of the things Stephen said mm-hmm. in this defense. Mm-hmm. Surely that weighed on Saul's heart, oh, and man. because you know when he became Paul, as we yeah. say, oh, you see the tenderness of heart of Paul. Mm-hmm. through the writings, his letters. Uh, his heart was so tender after the gospel got a hold of him and brings tears to my eyes, man. I tell I you, it just he loved the Lord and he loved the church and mm-hmm. realized how bad, how wrong he had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen, I think one of the things you could sum this up with, and Apologetics Press took hold of this and the VBS thing, mm-hmm. fearless. Mm-hmm. Oh, Stephen was. He acted in spite of fear, anything that might happen to him. Mm-hmm. He was prepared and ready to go and Boy, I don't know if that'll ever happen to any of us guys, but I hope and I pray that I can build my faith to the point that when the truth needs to be taught and souls are at stake and they're being lost because of efforts of Stephen, or excuse me, the efforts of Satan, I hope we can be like Stephen Mm -hmm. and that we will say the truth and we will plead with people to obey God, Mm -hmm. even if it means getting, it's hard to imagine that, but getting getting murdered for it. Mm -hmm. Hard to imagine that. But it has happened. God's people, there have been a lot of God's people. They've been murdered for righteousness' sake. Mm-hmm. That's right. Any final thoughts, Seth? Oh, bro, I, I don't have anything. Steve, uh, Seth, anything? Well, um, in the big picture of this, you know, we can if you look at you know, verse one of, of chapter eight, you know, so this was a catalyst event, you know, that you know caused a great persecution, you know, in the in the church, you know, there. Yeah. Uh, in verse one, it says, "You know that Saul approved his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for you know the apostles." Yeah. And so, this was a tragic event, but this was an event that caused the word of God to be spread outside of Jerusalem, and it mm-hmm. you know, caused you know, the gospel beginning to be spread you know, throughout the entire region. Yeah. And so, you know. God, God can sometimes use awful situations to have a, a, a good thing you know, out of it. And That's right. Doesn't mean that you know, his death you know, in itself you know, was you know, anything good. You know, but the gospel was you know in the big picture was further to you know, through it. That's yeah. right. And and I don't want to end without mentioning you. Of course, you know the his the last words that he has. You know where he says you know lay this not you know, against their charge. You know even after all this and even though he. Mm gave his life for people, you know, who were, you know, lied to him, you know, falsely accused him, you know, and were actively, you know, killing him. He still forgave them in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And so he extended and, forgiveness to him. And in reference, you know, like, like to what you said and with things that, that we deal with, you know, it's never going to be easy. But if Stephen can have a heart that can forgive even that, you know, what can we do you know, with uh, you know, with, with the things that we face today? Amen. That's right. Amen. Scott Beck says, love the thought-provoking discussion, brothers. Uh, Christy Lane enjoyed the discussion, guys. Thank you all for what you do and the truth you speak. Uh, well, you're welcome, and God be the glory, and we're thankful to have these kinds of opportunities, and our brethren make these opportunities possible. And um, we appreciate our brethren and others who may be watching and commenting, and you add to the discussion. Thank you so much to everyone that watched. I 
appreciate your final comments there, Seth. We, we, uh, our heart needs to grow and so inclined toward Christ that we extend forgiveness to people, uh, whether or not they enjoy that forgiveness, you know, from God, mm-hmm. we can extend personal forgiveness to them that, you know, uh, we will, uh, forgive their wrongs committed toward us personally mm-hmm. and individually. And I, I wonder, I need to read a little bit more, but if there's even a hint later, you know, I don't recall it, but uh, hopefully somebody that was there, we know, we know Saul did mm-hmm. hopefully someone else in addition or more in addition to Saul, uh, these words laid heavy on their hearts and they ended up repenting and obeying God. Mm-hmm. I hope they did. We may meet someone in heaven one day that says, you know, I was there and I was approving like Saul and hey, you know, it changed my mind. The grace of God was available and you know, whatever. Who knows what heaven will be like exactly? Yeah. Maybe maybe we talk about all these things as we're you know, as we praise God and we mm-hmm. we uh, rejoice over uh, our victory in Christ and everything. But mm-hmm. anyhow, I've really enjoyed Act 7. Thanks for bringing Act 7. I we had I had no idea Brock and I that he would bring Act 7. And I say that because we I don't normally ask the person except maybe the night before or the morning of just so I can post and put it on the post when it's online so people can see the title. Yeah. And I like doing it that way. And uh, I enjoy um, not knowing in a sense to keep the conversation lively, not pre-scripted. Mm-hmm. But Acts 7 is good. Is yeah. All the chapters of God's Word are good. But uh, in my mind, it's a little overlooked. And uh, I'm glad we got to discuss this. Thank you for bringing it, Seth. Hey, it's, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, well, glad and, and blessed for you to be in the area and glad when you can come by and see us and and, uh, and us, you. So God bless uh, all of our viewers. Thanks for watching. Do us a favor, please. Share this video and also let others know that you can find us on the um, Washington Avenue Church of Christ YouTube channel <clears throat> where this is streamed and I think it's archived on there. And then also... You can go to Podbean, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Type in Aaron J. Dodson Podcast. And later today or tomorrow, Lord willing, this will be the audio of this will be uploaded. So you or others can listen to this in an audio version. And so pay attention to that. Take note of that. God bless, and we'll catch all of you next time.